0: Thanks for joining us at the Liberty City podcast. Liberty City values each person's unique experience with faith, and we hope that this word impacts you today. Hey Liberty City so awesome to be with you today my name is Kent Bandy I'm part of the LL Canada family you know or those of you who are part of the Ottawa Liberty City family know a number of our family already or our extended family so it's really a privilege for us to be with you today you're gonna to see some of them here in a couple of minutes I want to give a big shout out actually to Levi and Nadia for generously including us as a ministry in the Liberty City family, but also for the invitation to be with you today on this Resurrection Weekend. It's an incredible privilege, so thank you. And as we jump into the message today, I want to share one of those vital stories and hopefully in a creative way that really helps you get a a mental picture of God reaching out to us redemptively on this very weekend that we're celebrating. Before we begin, though, I think it's important that we just stop and we ask the Holy Spirit to talk to us so that it's His voice that we hear. Can I pray with you? Father in heaven, I'm so grateful that you have not left us in the predicament of being separated from you, but actually so kindly and so redemptively reached your hand down to this earth. Lord, I ask for your words to speak your truth today, that your anointing be upon me in a fresh way, but also Holy Spirit, we welcome you to massage your truth into each one of us, in our minds so that we can comprehend it, in our hearts so that we can understand it, but in our spirit so that we really get the revelation of what you're saying to us today. And our prayer is, at the end of the day, that it's your word that's resonating inside each of us. So come and teach us your truth, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. We're gonna start the story at the beginning. Your Bible and mine should say, in the beginning God created. So come on in here. Here's Randy. Randy is our chief culinary expert here at LL. And if you come and enjoy the food here, he's the guy that gets the credit and the thanks. Next to him is Phil, whom you know. So God's, uh, God. Randy's going to play God. And Phil is going to play Jesus because Jesus was Malaysian. Yes. And um, we're going to should tell you the story that so often we um, We know it or we know parts of it But I'm hoping today God will help me share it with you in a way that kind of connects the dots and a new picture will emerge The Bible says in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and what he created when he created the heavens And the earth was actually the heavenly beings, but it, that part isn't there in Genesis. It's somewhere else So come on here and, and join us. This is Barry Barry's going to play one of these angelic beings, because the Scripture says that when God created the, the heavens and the earth in Ezekiel 28, verses 13 and following, he, Ezekiel gets a vision, and he says this, You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You can see here. And if you need scriptural evidence that Satan had a beard. Well, his name is Lucifer at this point. He's not Satan yet. You were in Eden, the garden of God, every precious stone adorn you." And Ezekiel begins to describe, not a jewelry box, but the beauty of gemstones is the closest language that he can use to try and articulate how incredibly beautiful this man, uh, this angelic being, actually was. And it goes on to say, "...you were anointed a guardian cherub, for so I ordained you." This is God talking. You were on the holy mount of God. You walked among the fiery stones. You were blameless in all your ways from the day you were created until wickedness was found in you. So when God created this beautiful angelic being, he literally made him higher than so many of the other angelic beings, and he gave him two very important things. The first thing that God gave him is actually power. And when he gave him power, he gave him strength, And gifting, and ability, and might. And all of that he wove right into the fiber of his being. But the second thing he gave him is authority. And when God gave him authority, he gave him the right to use his power. So we're using money to represent power. I'm not saying literally God gave him money, but in our world, money tends to equal power, so we just use this as part of the metaphor. Here in in his right hand is a key, and a key represents when you have a key, you have a right of access to something. Does that make sense? And so power and authority. Now this worked until what I just read for you from Ezekiel chapter 28 says, "...until wickedness was found in you. And when God saw that his heart became proud, it goes, it continues in Ezekiel 20, it says, Through your widespread trade, you were filled with violence and you sinned. So I drove you in disgrace from the mount of God. I expelled you, O guardian cherub. That's right, and he's gone. And he kicks him out of heaven. So this is important for us to understand because this is a place where part of the creation account is not right there, as I mentioned. But it, you'll see in the, as the story unfolds how vital it is. Ezekiel continues, Your heart became proud on account of your beauty, and you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. So I threw you to the earth, and I made a spectacle of you before kings. This is God speaking of Satan's fall. It's recorded elsewhere in Scripture, in Isaiah 14, How you've fallen from heaven, morning star, O son of the dawn. You've been cast down to the earth, you who once laid low the nations. You said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens, I will raise my throne above the stars of God. And this is where we see the pride, that I'm gonna make life all about me, that came into Satan's heart, and that's what got him kicked out of heaven, because he was in charge of worship to God, and he wanted the worship for himself. We'll come back to that in a minute. So, not only is Isaiah 14 an important part of, of the story, but elsewhere, we can see in Revelation chapter 12, there's a story of a dragon, that actually the dragon creates a bit of a rebellion and he gets thrown out of heaven. And when he gets thrown out of heaven, his tail swept a third of the stars from the sky to the earth. But the last part of Revelation chapter 12 is very important because it says that the dragon was so angry, he went off to make war against the woman and her children. Now, the woman and her children was actually not Mary, but actually the nation of Israel and the children of Israel. And it says when he went off to make war against the woman and her children, and all those who follow the teachings of Jesus. And that's a very important nugget, and I'll show you how that looks here in just a minute. We go back to Genesis. Genesis 126 says, God says, Let us create man in our image. So it's still part of the the creation story It's just that part of creating the angelic beings is recorded elsewhere. So in comes we're gonna have the ladies come and represent mankind So here's Tracy who you know my wife Karen and Megan they're gonna represent Body soul and spirit when God created mankind in his image He made us a reflection of himself and God is God the Father God the Son and God the Holy Spirit So what you see birthed in the heart of God becomes physically embodied in the Son of God, but empowered by the Spirit of God. He didn't make us divinity, but he made us a reflection of himself. In farther down Genesis 1, God has made the earth now, and he says, I want you to rule over the earth and subdue it. So mankind has a relationship with God, and When God gives authority over the earth to mankind, he's the creator of it. You go ahead and take that in your hand. He's the creator of it, but he's given it to us to steward. Now, do you remember what Lucifer lost when he got kicked out of heaven? So when he sees this, he grabs what the Bible calls forbidden fruit. Now, I'm not sure what you envision the forbidden fruit Very often it's classed as an apple, but we don't know that it's an apple. We're just going to use something to represent temptation and it may help you to see temptation as a cup of coffee, but I'm not here to be your conviction on addiction this morning. So come on in here. And what Satan does is he waves a temptation in front of Eve and Adam by distorting what God said. See, he knows what God has said, but he twists it. And although they know the Word of God they actually are tempted, and they give in to the forbidden fruit. Now, what did God say? You can eat from any tree in the garden, but you cannot eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. When she does, go ahead and take it, Yeah, and hold on to her. So, when she takes it, where's authority over the earth now? And notice, too, that the relationship between God and mankind was broken, Adam and Eve are now afraid, they were never be afraid before, they would never had shame before, and now they make fig leaves for themselves and cover up. Which is not just tangible, physical fig leaves, but actually our nature to cover up and hide when we screw up and when we sin against God. Now, this is very important, because for many of us, we wonder, why do bad things happen to good people? And this is not a bad question, I'm not shaming you for asking, because I've asked it, all of us have asked it at some point in our lives. We know that God created the earth, we know God is good, then why does a good God allow evil? And we miss this part that actually the earth, authority over the earth, has been given to Satan. This is very important because when Jesus, if you turn in your Bible actually to Luke chapter 4, Matthew chapter 4, where Jesus is tempted, Lucifer says to him, second temptation, he shows him, he takes Jesus up in a high place, he shows him all the kingdoms of the world, and he says to Jesus, the Son of God, he literally says to him, if you bow down and worship me, I will give you authority over all of these nations because it's been given to me and I can give it to whoever I want to. So Lucifer is telling Jesus, when he tempts Jesus, that he has authority over the whole earth, and Jesus doesn't argue and tell him no. It's very important that we get that. 1 John 5 says we know that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. This is important so that we understand that while God created the world, authority over the world has been given to this guy. And so you see the grip that he has on mankind, and this is our predicament. We're born into this world. We're created in his likeness. But if we do what comes naturally, we're more like him than like him. Does that make sense? So when we say, well, in our heart of hearts, are we good or are we lost? Are we selfish or are we loving? This is the thing. We have the capacity to love, but we have to work at love because actually it's selfishness that comes naturally. When we are invited into a relationship with Jesus, what happens here is that God sees our predicament and he doesn't actually wag his finger of shame. He sends his very own son actually to come and live in the flesh, and he has to battle him. And the thing you need to know is, while we have come under Satan's authority, you can hold up the authority actually so they can see it, we've come under this, this authority, we've all come under this authority, Jesus never did. He was tempted, but he never gave in. So that means there's only one who's never come under Satan's authority. So there's only one who has authority over him. This is very important. So when Jesus comes to the earth, he lives a perfect life. He is God's love in human form. He is fierce in defending the poor, the weak, the broken, and the holiness of God. He is unwavering in his resoluteness to bring the hope of the kingdom of, of heaven to the earth that he's made but has been ransacked by this guy. And when he comes, he cuts right into the religious rigor of those that are trying to keep rules with such uh, legalism that it's actually crushing the people. Jesus comes into that and he won't have any part of it, but he actually extends his hand into creation. If you could just, yeah, don't do it yet. So Phil, you do your part. So Jesus holds his hand out to creation. He demonstrates love, he demonstrates kindness, he demonstrates every single one of the fruit of the spirit in human form, but he demonstrates one more thing that we often forget. When Jesus came and he taught, he taught the scriptures that the people knew, but he taught with authority. They marveled at his authority. Jesus would minister to someone and he'd command the demons to leave, or sometimes he'd walk in the room and the demons would start freaking out. Why? Because Jesus was the one who had authority over this guy. When Jesus laid down his life, he dealt with all of the sin here. He dealt with all of the consequences of of this choice and the choices you and I make. And when we are coming to that place where we realize there's a God-shaped hole in our lives and nothing else is going to fill it, what happens is we can put our hand in Jesus's and we can be reconciled to our Father in heaven. And so what happens here is this relationship is healed and the good news is this guy runs away and he never comes back and we never see him again, right? Uh, No, that's not reality at all. Reality is now we have to make a choice. Who are we going to submit to? If you stay in this place too long, you'll actually find yourself with too much sin to enjoy God, but too much God to enjoy your sin. So you live kind of miserable. And I'm not making that as a a pronouncement over you, but more so as uh, findings from our research of personally trying to do this. What needs to be decided now is now that you have Christ in your life, and the Holy Spirit will begin to speak to your spirit. This is important. A number of weeks ago, Alicia taught you about body, soul, and spirit. Jesus had a conversation with a religious teacher in John chapter 3, where the, the religious teacher couldn't understand how is this born-again thing work? How is a man physically born again? And Jesus says, no, no, it's not a physical born-again. It's new life of God giving birth to your spirit. So flesh gives birth to flesh, is what Jesus tells Nicodemus. But spirit gives birth to spirit. And so when you are born again in a new relationship with God, it's a reconnection of you spirit to spirit with God the Father. Now the choice is, can you submit yourself and can I submit myself to God the Father and then deal with his authority? What I have to do is I have to reject the temptation that gave him authority in the first place. Does that make sense? And that happens through submitting first to God. This is not a performance or some sort of of show you have to put on for someone. It's simply loving God first and letting him be Lord over your life. So he'll call you and he'll say, put down the cup. You don't need it, sweetheart. I have something way better. That is an imitation of something good. I have the real thing. And so she can make the decision to put down the cup, you can just set the cup down there, take the authority away in Jesus' name. Now she doesn't do this in her own strength. It's once she submits to God, then she has authority over the evil one. Now does he run away and never come back? No, he has several cups and we get to make this choice every day, every day. But whatever's in that cup is imitation of the real thing. And when this relationship is healed, life is not perfect because it's still here on this earth. He hates what's just happened, and so now you have a target on your backside, and he'll stop shooting at you the day you die. But in between now and then, you live in a war zone. But if you can stay submitted to him, you can live for God, under God's blessing, In the war zone. You still get shot at, crazy stuff still happens, and unfortunately, sometimes even trauma and tragedy are part of this world. But it doesn't mean that God cannot triumph even in the the trauma and the tragedy. This is the relationship that we're invited to see restored when we come back to God. Not a religious performance, not a set of rules that you have to keep, not actually some sort of counting how often you come to church. The definition of the Christian life is life in Christ. It's walking with Jesus, it's letting Him lead you, and it's letting Him be Lord over all the places of your life, body, soul, spirit. It's it's really a decision of submission. And that's how we have authority over the evil one. Not by our might, not by our strength, but by our submission. So let me say clearly, the only way you can have authority over the evil one in this world is to come under the authority of Jesus Christ. And the more you submit to Him, the more authority you have. Jesus has the ultimate authority over the evil one. But you may have noticed He didn't kill Him or drive Him off the earth. He redeemed people out from under His spell. This is the hope of this resurrection weekend that God, when He sent His Son, Jesus dealt with the penalty of our sin the curse of our sin, and we can actually be restored not only to life in Him, but you notice He also raised from the dead. When He raised from the dead, He made a huge statement over the authority and the fruit of the evil one. The fruit of Him is death. The wages of sin is death. And Jesus said, all right, then I'm going to raise people to life. I'm going to come back from the dead myself. Now death, where's your sting? Now Lucifer. Where is your bottom line? Because I've just beat you. And I will never stop redeeming my children. I'll never stop calling them to myself. I'll never stop trying to whisper their name when they're in trouble. I'll never stop showing up when they're in need. I will never stop because I am redeeming them out from under your authority. And I'm creating a new heaven and a new earth. And someday you will be forbidden from coming anywhere near it. And if you read Revelation, it certainly talks about who wins in the end. This is an important picture. I hope you can take a snapshot. Have you seen it? I want to say thank you guys. You can go and take your seats now. Thank you. So what do we do with this image and this story? When the 72 disciples were sent out by Jesus. That includes the twelve and a number of other followers. They come back and they're shocked. And they say, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. They're amazed at the authority over the natural things that they're used to living with, but now they shift with the name of Jesus. And Jesus says these words, I Saw Satan fall like lightning and he's referring back to that creation account when Satan got kicked out of heaven But then he says do not rejoice that the demons submit to you, but rejoice in What that your names are written in heaven. This is Jesus bottom line It's not about who wields the most authority and who has the biggest muscles or even that you can beat the evil one He said the thing that really should define you and keep your heart anchored Is your relationship to God the Father and how He feels about you. That's the bottom line of success in Jesus' books. That's the the bare-bones final word. You keep yourself, you, you relate to your world on the basis of where do you stand with God the Father. So let me ask you, where do you stand with God the Father? Are you in that place where you've actually been trying to do that be a good person, maybe even in a religious kind of way, and while you may have succeeded at doing many things well, it doesn't actually work to save, rescue, or redeem yourself in God's eyes. You can put in a great valiant effort, but the fact is we're still people. We're still born under the authority of the evil one. There's still a consequence and a cost to our sin and our sin still gives the enemy authority the same way it always has. The game changer is not your performance. You might even be relieved to hear this. The game changer is not you having a better performance. The game changer is that Jesus performed and you're freely offered to be adopted into the family you belong to, free. And so the the choice is not can can you present a better effort. But can you welcome Jesus and what He did for you? Can you welcome the forgiveness that He bought with His own life? Can you welcome the love and the refreshing that God made you for in the first place that you've been longing for? Can you welcome the fact that while your life on earth is actually very important, it is not the final story of your life, it's the qualifying lap of where you live and defeat the enemy's authority so that someday you can live with God face to face. This is the dilemma or the choice that we're all face on resurrection weekend. What do we do with Jesus? What do we do with what he did for us? Maybe for you, you're hearing this for the first time say, I have never seen this picture, I did not understand how this works, and I have always struggled with how a good God allows rotten stuff to happen. It's happened to me. It's happened to my family. It's happened to people I care about. And God can't be good and loving at the same time. That's true if you're right. But what I just showed you from the scriptures actually is a different twist on things, isn't it? That God is still good, but the enemy has been given authority over the earth and we continue to give it to him every day. Not all of us but many in our society, many in our culture. And so the only authority that trumps the God of this world is the God of heaven and his redemptive son. If you're feeling that tug on your heart right now, that you would like this story of God's saving, his redemption to be reality in your life, you can pray with me. I'll lead you in prayer if if you want to right now. Father in heaven, thank you so much for what you have done for me. That, that you actually went ahead and took care of my greatest need before I could even ask you is an amazing wake up call to who you really are. I'm, I'm sorry I've missed your love. I'm, I'm sorry I've lived my own way. And I'm sorry for every time I've kind of. Flipped my hand at you because I thought you weren't good. I I renounce that. I just, I want to lay down that whole thing and say I need your forgiveness and I need your cleansing and I welcome you, Lord Jesus, to come and be Lord of my life and rescue me and renovate me from the enemy's authority, every area. I choose to submit myself to you today. And I want to pray, would you make the resurrection reality, the reality in my life. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You just open the door to a big miracle happening if you prayed that prayer. Now, some things might start to shift today. You might start to hear God's voice in a fresh way. You may find yourself that it's a journey of one foot in front of the other, in front of the other, in front of the other, which is where most of us are. But what we have found out and what we pray that you find out is that God not only keeps his promises, but living for him and with him is absolutely amazing. Welcome to the family of God. Please, if you've prayed that prayer today, we need you to reach out and tell somebody real soon. You can reach Liberty City Church at this address. Make sure that you reach out to uh, Pastor Levi or one of the staff. You can also reach uh, our team at LL Ministries at uh, info.com. E-M-C, at dot org, And we're not trying to sell you something. We just wanna follow up on this very important decision that you've made today. And we wanna make sure that we can pray with you and welcome you in person into the family of God. Thank you for joining us. Happy Resurrection Weekend. God bless you. We are so glad you joined us today at Liberty City Podcast. Please check us out on social media and find an event to connect with us.